All right, turn your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. I love that song. How many enjoy that song, the last song we did? Isn't that great new song written? It's a hymn written in 2016. Uh, the Bible uh, encourages us to write a new song. And I, I thank God for those good writers that write us some good songs to sing in these days. And it, it, it just be sad that there's no... If there would be no good songwriters in our day, that would just be sad. Thank God that there are good ones. Uh, many of them I wonder about, but many are good. First Kings chapter 3. I want us to think about our walk with God. Our walk with God. I'm going to give explanation of what it means, our walk with God, and then we're going to speak about Solomon's walk with God. Okay? Sounds good. Thank you all for working in the booth back there. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in the high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in his statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. The king went to Gibeah to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeah, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great uh, his, this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, our, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. As a matter of fact, he's grown at this time. He said, I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of, a, of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, give therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, 
so that there was none like unto thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I've also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou walk in my ways, verse 14, and if thou walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his service. It's a great reading in the Bible here about this man Solomon. What do you know about Solomon? What do we know about him? Wisest man, right? Richest man, one of the great kings. A lot of things that Solomon accomplished in his life as king of Israel. He was a son of David, of course. But he's the one that stands out in the Bible. And he stands out basically because of this prayer that he prayed to God. This prayer makes him stand out in our mind, our heart. He prayed the right prayer. He asked God the right thing. You may think of him in some of the negative aspects of his life. Yeah, how many remember some negative things about Solomon? How many wives did he have and concubines? Yeah, he had a bunch of them, didn't he? He had a load full. And he was a king, and many of those were uh, a part of the, the arrangements that he made with surrounding nations. But it says later on in Solomon's life that all of this stuff that shouldn't have been in his life drew his heart away from God. But what we have in chapter 3 is a great example for us to follow. This wise man. This wise man here is doing wise things. Later on he's going to do some foolish things. But we can learn from the positive things in his life. The wise choices that, that he made. And you know, you got to think about this. Solomon was given a lot of wisdom and a lot of authority. And when you're given a lot of wisdom and authority, you may not be able to control yourself. Sometimes maybe God doesn't give you that whatever you want, because whatever you want might cause you to be proud and draw you away from God. Think about that. And also we need to think about Solomon, the wisest man in all the earth, that wisdom will fail. What does the Bible teach us that will never fail? What is it? I'm waiting. What is it that never fails? Love never fails. And so wisdom will fail you. You have to follow the wisdom that God gives you. You need to be wise enough to follow the wisdom so that you can do the right things. But life has choices. And Solomon eventually made, and here even made some bad choices. So what can we learn from Solomon? That's what I want us to do. And I want us to think about our walk with God. From his early life, we can learn something about our walk with God. Look at verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Then it says, only he sacrificed and burned incense 
in high places. So if you read verse 3, and maybe you just read it for the first time, you may not notice that there's positive and negative in verse 3. There's things that he did and had right. He loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. And he walked in the statutes that he was taught. But it also gives a negative thing there where it says, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So first thing I want to see is Solomon's walk with God. Now let me ask you about your walk with God. Do you even know what that means? I'm going to give you some background, some explanation about our walk with God. Our walk with God describes our daily life as we live the Christian life. And it comes from the Bible. It comes from the Bible. Genesis 5, I have it marked. Genesis 5 verse 22 to 24 talks about this term of walk with God. It says in verse 22, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Notice Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So when I ask you about your walk with God, I'm talking about your daily life as a Christian, how you living, how you doing, and I can go back to the Bible and get that term out of the Bible. Enoch walked with God. Now, look at uh, Genesis 6-9. Genesis 6-9. Let's see what that verse says. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God, okay? Now, there's also negative things about a person's walk with God. Uh, Leviticus 26, 41, walking contrary to the will of God. Joshua 5, 6. Let's look at, let's look at Joshua 5, 6 and see what it says. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 6, it says, And the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, to all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord whom the Lord swore that he would not uh, show them the land which the Lord swore unto the fathers that he would give us the land that floweth with milk and honey. So they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. And then First Samuel, I want to look at that. First Samuel chapter 8 verse 3. 1 Samuel 8, 3, it says this. And the sons, and it's, ta- it's, it's uh, talking about uh, Samuel's sons. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after money and took bribes and perverted judgment. They walked not in the way they should walk. Over and over, the Bible talks about our walk with God or, or our walk in life. And, and it, it describes how we live. How is your walk with God? Now, think, whether you realize it or not, we're walking through this life, and God is walking with us, and we're walking with God. Are we? Are you walking with Him? Solomon, it says he walked with God. 
Now, what does it say about his walk with God? First of all, in verse 3, it says he loved God. He loved the Lord. You love the Lord? You love the Lord? It's a conscious thing, and it's an unconscious thing. It's a mindset. When we love someone, we, we choose to be beside them when we can. And we choose to please them with what we do. We choose not to offend them. And we choose, when they turn right, we try to turn right. And when they turn left, we try to turn left. Do you love the Lord? Are you walking with God? Solomon loved the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you... Do you love the Lord? That's the question. 1 John 4, 19 says we love Him because He first loved us. I think about the little woman that washed the feet of Jesus and, 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 and anointed Him with oil. You know, she came in there and, and, and she really it surprised the disciples. It, it made the Pharisees a little uncomfortable. But she washed the Lord's feet with her hair. And they said, why is she doing this? And it's in Luke 7, 47. Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, they love much. Do you love the Lord? Has he forgiven you for a lot of stuff? Where was you at when Jesus saved you? And where did you go after you got saved? Did you walk on your own, walk away from God? Yet he loved you and sought you and drew you back to himself. We should love the Lord a much, much, much. Amen? Now, it says that Solomon walked with God in her text. He loved the Lord. That's one sign of that goes on when, you, when you're walking with God. Secondly, he walked in the instruction that he was given. He walked in the instruction. Here is the instruction book right here. Now, we're, we're to follow the instructions of this book. The Bible says that the Old Testament was written for us to learn so that we can walk. That's uh, Romans 15, 4. And so, walking the way God wants us, walking with the Lord, walking as a Christian with God means we're walking in the Word. We're living the Word or opening the Bible, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, trying to do what it says. James chapter 1, verse 20. Two says, be you doers of the word and not just hearers. And he said, if we're not a doer, just a hearer, we're not fooling anybody but ourselves. Right? So, Solomon's walk with God. He loved God. He walked in the ways of God best he could, the instruction that was given. And he made offerings to God. Look at verse 4. And the king went to Gibeah to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place, a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Now, it was a habit of that time that they would go to these high places and they would make offerings to God, burnt offerings. And that was a good thing that they offered to God. It's always good to offer Thanks to God. It was a habit of the people. And, and so Solomon went to this real high place, Gibeah. And, and it was a real high place. And there he offered a thousand offerings to God. A thousand sacrifices, burnt offerings. Wow. He loved God. That's why he did that. Now Solomon's actions were motivated by his love for God. He wanted to please God. He wanted to walk with God. He wanted 
to show everybody that he loved God. Okay? That's his walk with God. He made an extravagant offering to God. That's big. Because of this big offering to God, I feel like we can assume that God was big in Solomon's heart. Would you agree? God was big. Now, Paul gives us a statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about the, the uh, Macedonian Christians. They gave offerings to help in the ministry. They gave offerings. He said, here's the key of why they gave good offerings. Because they first gave their self to God. They gave their self to God. In Solomon's walk with God, I think we can assume that he had given his self to God. And if we give to God, I think we can assume that we have, first of all, given Him our heart and given God our life. Have you given God? Or are you still in control? That's a good place for us to pause. In your walk in the Christian life, in your walk with God, have you really given yourself? God, here I am. Take my life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you would, what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have you given your life? Oh, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. Have you given your life to God? Maybe that's what's wrong with your walk. Maybe that's why you're walking kind of staggered in the Christian life. Huh? You get it? Now, his offering was just an indicator of, of his love for God and his desire to live for God and his desire to please God, his desire to walk close to God. Can we get this? Solomon, he's not playing around. He really, he really wants to be where he needs to be with God and he loves God and and he, he wants to please God. Is he perfect? No, he's not. Matter of fact, he's offering offerings in the wrong place. Well, he's just following what everybody else was doing. And guess what? You and I do the same thing. But in reality, this offering on the high place finally became... A real problem. And, and in the northern kingdom it really became a problem. They started offering children up there in those high places. As an offering to pagan gods. Now, verse 3 says the good and the bad. The positive and the negative. about so It says only he offered sacrifices in the high places. Now here's the deal. Here's what I want us to get from this. I think this is a main part of what we need to learn. First of all, the Holy Spirit puts a question by this act of offering in the high places. He does it. But I'm not sure he knows it's wrong. Okay? Now, this is hard this is hard when you're a legalist. It's hard when you're a legalist. This is one of those places that teach us when we're not aware of a truth about a certain matter, we're less accountable to that truth. 
You ever thought about that? Some are not aware that what they're doing is not what they should be doing. It's not right. And maybe there's negative consequences. But because they're not clear on it, because they don't understand it, because maybe the Holy Spirit has not convicted they, their heart, they go on doing that, and it seems to be no problem with it. It's sort of like this. You can do a, certain things in your life, and it's okay, and you don't see anything wrong with it. But in my own assumption of what you're doing, it would be wrong for me to do it. Now, that's hard to get if you're legalist. Okay? Can you get that? We say, preacher, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. I agree. But until I realize that, I can continue to do that with no no conflict with my conscience. And so I can go on doing what... I'm going to tell you the truth. I wish I knew less. There's something about being naive. That's a blessing. Now, this mistake that Solomon is making, he doesn't understand it. And actually, there are two things. The first thing I'm, I'm going to say, he's, he's naive about his marriage to the Egyptian daughter. You say, why is that? Well, because his dad gave him a, an example of it, didn't he? Could that be a little confusing? You know, that's something that we need to think about over the book of Corinthians. Paul tells us that you and I as mature Christians should not do anything to cause a conflict in the belief of younger Christians. We shouldn't cause anything to be a stumbling block to them. Boy, there's a lot of responsibility to that in there. But until you become aware of something being wrong, you can just kind of get away with it. I'm talking about in your walk with God. There may be negative consequences that come your way because of it, but it doesn't hinder your spirit and it doesn't hinder your walk with God until the Holy Spirit puts His finger on it and says, you know, this doesn't need to be a part of your life. Can you see what I just said and understand this is why Jesus said, judge not one another? And Paul taught us not to judge one another. So here you are. You've been a Christian for six years. I've been a Christian for 120 years. Okay? And you're living your life just as happy in Jesus as you can be. And I can look there and judge you and say, this is not right, that's not right, this is not right. But who is going to be miserable? You or me? Me. Live and let live in a sense. So we look at him and we see his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter, it's going to eventually cost him. Right? It doesn't show up to chapter 11. Shows up in chapter 11. But the other thing we see in chapter 3 that I'd call it a lesser problem for him is his mistake of offering offerings on Gibeah, the high places, to God. Listen, he's doing it. His heart is right. He's doing it for God. He's getting a blessing out of it. You know what? 
We need to be careful about judging people and what they do in their life because until the Spirit of God leads them to understand and convicts them, we better stay out of it. That's one of the reasons we preach the Word of God from the pulpit is to lay out truth so that people can hear it maybe even for the first time or maybe just come to the realization of this truth for the first time so that the Holy Spirit can teach and instruct and lead them to a closer walk with God. Now look at verse 2 in our text. <coughs> it says, Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord uh, unto those days. And then verse 4, it says, And the king went to Gibeah to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Well, you say, preacher, the, the, the temple wasn't built yet. But I'm, I'm going to show you this after this dream that Solomon has. He goes and offers at the tabernacle. The tabernacle is there at the time of Solomon's life. David, it was there actually back in, in, in uh, Samson's life, right? All the way back to Moses. It's there. So he's offering sacrifices at Gibeah. It's really not right, but he's not convicted of it. So he's enjoying his worship, enjoying his sacrifice, enjoying his God. But he's going to learn. He's going to grow. Now, can we see this? This truth, I believe, that Solomon teaches is even more important than the truth about the offer that God made him. Now, this offering on the high places, as I said, became a problem because people, they had no instruction and they started putting wild, weird things into it. And it really became a problem. It was really a problem now. But God seems to be not holding Solomon accountable for it. The mixture of pagan practices became a real issue. Verse 15, he began to offer at the, at the tabernacle site. After the temple is built, that gives them a place and gives them guidance to bring their offerings down to the temple. And the thing I want us to learn that we need to be careful about our negativity uh, towards people that are doing what we might perceive as wrong and what we understand is wrong, but allow the Holy Spirit to lead people in their walk with God. We say of Solomon that his walk progressed. It progressed. Because Solomon loved the Lord and sought the Lord, the Holy Spirit led him in his walk with God. Now, we've got to get to the main point of chapter 3, which is that God made him an offer. He had this dream. And, and uh, it says there, it says, verse 5, In Gibeah, the Lord appeared to Solomon. See, God's, God's not holding him accountable for offering on the high places. And, and so the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. What do you want? 
Okay, I'm going to be the guy that's going to offer you three wishes. Okay, who, who wants to take the three wishes? Anybody? What's your third wish? Wish for three more, right? Uh, I played that game before, haven't you? Yeah. But God does. He comes to him in this dream and, and asks him, what does he want? But you know, as I think about that, God might come to all of us in that same fashion. What do you want? What do you want in your life? Now let me ask you, what should you ask for? In his walk with God, he asked the right thing. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 4 that uh, that, uh, when our ways please the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. What would you ask for if God said you could have anything? Let's really think about that. Think about it. What? Amen. Great wish. Solomon, in this prayer, God, he says, in verse 6, God, you're a great God. He praises the Lord. He gave glory to God for the ability that God had given him. Verse 6. He just glorifies God in this, in this prayer, in this dream prayer that he's having. He thanks God for God's loving kindness that enables him to be in the position that he is in. And Solomon shows all types of humility in this, in this dream prayer that he's having. God spoke to him through this dream. Now, how many believe that God speaks to you through dreams? Raise your hand. Be bold. You believe in God? Yes, I believe God can speak to you through a dream. I think you need to be careful that you don't take every dream you have as a God dream. You know, you can get yourself in trouble. But God spoke to him. Now we see these things about God. He just, he, you can see it's, and, and dreams really reveal much about us. When, when we dream it, they can reveal a lot about us. In his dream, Solomon is wanting to please God. He's wanting to walk with God. He's praising God. And we see his humility if you look at verse 7, it says there, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child, and I know not how to come in and to go out. He's humble. He's respectful. Verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of a people which thou hast chosen, a great people, and cannot be numbered nor counted for the multitude. He's looking at others and, and this opportunity that God has given. And he's thankful and he's, he's praising God in this dream. After all the praise, we have the petition. We have his petition. Did he ask for money? Did he ask for success? No. Did he ask for a long life? Now let's see what he said in verse 9. He said, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? He doesn't ask for anything to use on himself. I would just want to say now, Solomon loved God. He loved him. He asked for an understanding heart. 
that he could be able to lead. And you know, he got his prayer answered, didn't he? And we even got an illustration where the two women come up to him and, and they both were had babies the same time, right at the same time. Remember the story? It's in the latter part of the chapter. And they came there to King Solomon and one of them had died, one of the babies had died and, and the, the one whose baby died stole the other lady's baby and claimed it as as her own. And, and so they couldn't figure out, there's no way to figure out whose child it was. They couldn't do any kind of test that we could do today. And Solomon did this test. He said, bring me a sword. And old Solomon took the sword. He said, I'm going to cut this baby in half and I'm going to give you one half and I'm going to give you the other half. And the lady whose child it was not said, go ahead and do that. But the woman whose child it was says, no, in no means harm that baby. Let her have the baby. Wow. He appealed to the love of a mother the wisdom of Solomon. He got, man, when he asked for an understanding heart, God gave him an understanding heart. And I want to challenge you today. If you could have anything you want from God, pray that God would give you an understanding heart. We might pray for our family. We might pray for riches. We might pray for success. We might pray for a long life. We can pray for good health. We can pray for all sorts of things. But Solomon prayed the right prayer. We see the answer of God in verse 10. And it says, And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Man, this is a living dream, isn't it? I bet it was in color, don't you? The, 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 the speech pleased the Lord. And then verse 11, And God said to them, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself. Have not asked for thyself. Long life. Neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself an understanding heart to discern judgment. But guess what? God not only answered his prayer, God gave him more than he asked for. Isn't that the way God works? Notice in verse 12. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like unto thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. In verse 13, he said, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Verse 14, And if thou walk... In my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. By the way, the only one that had any consequence to it was the long life. Something to take home with you and think about. So, what happened? God gave Solomon what he asked for because he prayed the right prayer. And that is true, folks, all the way through the Bible. The Bible teaches us if we pray the right things, God answers our prayers. And thank God, he doesn't answer our prayer when we pray the wrong things. God granted his request. God gave him a bonus of the things that he did not ask for. God gave him the things that other people with lesser motives would have asked for. God gave him all of those things. 
Now, when we place our walk with God and the spiritual things of life as the important things of life, we can trust that our walk with God is where it needs to be. The Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. Solomon got his prayer answered. What would you have asked for if God gave you that offer? And the truth is, God does give us that offer. What are we asking for? Solomon in his walk, he loved God. He walked in the instruction that God had given him. And he put God first in these offerings. Now how's your walk with God is my close. Notice Solomon wasn't perfect. We need to learn there's things in our life that maybe they're wrong, but we don't see it, and there's nothing wrong with us continuing our walk, and they don't hinder our fellowship with God. Just keep on keeping on and keep on looking up to God, and he'll give you direction and leadership. How's your walk with God? Are you seeking the Lord? And what is your desire? I hope that we can learn from Solomon. That our walk with God is vital in our Christian life. Our walk with God. And I hope that you can see that when we learn to pray right, God will lead us in our prayer life and answer our prayers according to his will. Let's be like Solomon. Love the Lord. Walk with God. Hey, and the thing that you're doing that you think other people might be condemning, Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Let God lead you. Let's bow our heads. What I preach today is for the Christian to help us in our walk with God, to help us keep our eyes off other people and keep our eyes on Jesus. But I want to give an invitation if you do not know Jesus as your Savior. He died on that cross for our sins that you could be saved, that all of us could go to heaven. Has there ever been a time and a place that you trusted Jesus as your Savior? I want us to stand to our feet and get ready to sing this song that we're about to do. But I want to challenge every Christian here to realize how important your walk with God is. You can walk close to God or you can walk far away from God. It's important that we walk close to God. If you need to renew your walk with God, I want to invite you to come to lay your life on the altar. Have you given God your life? Have you? Let's let's come as we sing. Let's sing it out.